Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. Ingrid Seymour is a USA Today best-selling author of young adult novels in the urban fantasy, paranormal romance, and high fantasy genres. Growing up in Honduras, she earned a Fulbright scholarship to Louisiana State University, self-taught herself English, and published her debut novel all in the span of a few short years. She has a habit of turning her daydreams into reality, so I wanted to know more about what makes Ingrid tick. Ingrid Seymour, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Hi, Ethan. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. It was great connecting with you through uh, the Facebook group, which is how you found me. Pretty fun. Yeah, and by Facebook group, you mean 20 books to 50K. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, and do you remember what you were sharing that caught my attention at the time? Uh, Yeah, um, it was, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and I put a post up there about uh, having been a year since I quit my day job. Mm. Um, And I always see lots of people asking questions about that, uh, asking questions about those who have quit and um, commenting on how they wish to quit. And so um, I thought it would be really nice to share that, especially since it had been a year and um, I had been working on my goals for that long. Wow. Yeah, that that is a really inspiring, helpful story, I think, to always to share with people that it's possible and our dreams are possible. And so for people who aren't familiar with you and aren't in 20 books to 50K, um, what can you share with listeners? Okay, so um, I am a native from Honduras. Um, English is not my first language. Mm. Um, Spanish is. Um, I've been writing for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. I always measure it with my, my daughter's age because she was a, a year old when I started. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something about being a mom kind of made me want to uh, show, have a way to to be myself. It seemed. Um, that's, but anyway, that's amazing. That's actually. I just pause on that for a moment. That's that's a really amazing statement. I think to bring to bring forward, um, and you know, the idea that that having a child would that you would give yourself permission to shine and be yourself. And, you know, I'm curious if yeah. maybe, maybe that was an intentional choice or a survival instinct or. I think it might've been something like that. Uh, I think as, as a mom, um, uh, you give so much of yourself and mm. um, are always attentive to your children. And when they're little like that, the demands are huge. Uh, you have to do everything for them. And I think you can find um, that you start losing yourself a little bit into that care uh, and becoming just mom. Yeah. And so I think it is a sort of like survival instinct of like, uh, when these kids are older and they're gone, you know, if you only focus on them and didn't have anything for yourself, maybe, Mm. you know, you crave for that, for something that will, you will have to hold on after they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you remember like why, why books or why writing emerged for you at the time as, as an idea? Yeah, actually, uh, I've always wanted to to write, I think. Um, I remember being in high school, and I, I say always, always since memory, you know, uh, the things I can remember. But being in high school, I remember uh, grabbing my dad's old typewriter and um, mm. just going at it, uh, trying a chapter or two. And I even remember showing my mom and her reading it and being like, oh, well, this is pretty interesting. This is pretty fun. Are you going to continue? 
but I never really did continue. Um, and later on, many years through after high school, uh, I kept doing the same thing. I would start something and mm. just never finish. Uh, it, it, the stories kept coming to me that I felt like I had to put down. Um, but I just never had the stamina to go to the end or maybe the, the drive or or really a purpose. Uh, mm. It was more accidental when I sat down and felt inspired to write something, it seemed like. Right. And what do you what do you mean, like, kind of honing in here, I, I hear you mentioned purpose in, in a perhaps meaningful way that at the time you were exploring that you didn't have purpose around it. And yeah, yes, I, I wasn't thinking I will sit down and write a book and finish. Um, it was more the desire coming over me to, to, to put something down, to put my thoughts down, but not in the sense of I will finish a book. More right. of like, hey, I have this idea swimming in my head. Let me write them down. Right. Um, uh, but not really with the intent of really writing a book. I guess at the time I was also consumed with uh, graduating, uh, what is going to be your career. Um, mm. I grew up in Honduras, you know, a third world country. And um, my family was not, um, uh, you know, wealthy or anything. Mm. Uh, we weren't poor either, but, um, you know, very low middle class I would say, and in a third world country, that would mean poor here in the United States, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, I, I was extremely busy, even just getting to university. Uh, we had to take three different buses to get there. Uh, so there was little time for thinking about those things that nurture your creativity and worried more about, okay, I have to get good grades, I have to graduate. Uh, I have this scholarship that I can't lose. I have to have, you know, hold on to it and graduate, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so I did, to continue answering your question about me, um, mm. so I grew up in Honduras and um, was going to college there studying computer science. Mm. And um, I got a scholarship there and also later on halfway through my college degree, I got a scholarship to come here to the United States and right. finish my degree. Right. And, and that's Fulbright how I ended up here. Yeah. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which was really amazing out of very many people um, that applied to it. I was one of the few that got it. Um, I was grateful for my good grades at that point because they allowed me to um, to get that scholarship and also grateful for, um, my, my, um, like for foreign languages. I have always liked foreign languages. Mm. And so I was studying English uh, back home a little bit. And, and so that, I think that also helped me somewhat, um, to get accepted, even though that was not a, a requirement. Mm. Um, but my English was, <laughs> not as good as it is now after many years of living there. Right. And uh, but, but then I, I moved here and lived here for a little bit, which is where I met my husband and, you know, we dated for a while and I went back to Honduras cause I had to, it was a requirement of my scholarship mm. and then went, came back here and I've been here since we married. Mm. That's so cool. And is that around the time that you wrote your first novel as well? Well, no, uh, I moved here and then, you know, we were married for uh, five or six years before we had my daughter. Mm. And, and that's when I uh, wrote my first novel, um, which really probably it will never see the light of day. It was um, an exercise in learning how to write in English, really. Mm. Mm, do you uh, it is what a it was? good uh, what it was about. Yeah. Uh, well, it actually is another thing. So at the time, I had no idea about book marketing or genres or um, um, 
you know, right into market and all of those things. Mm. Uh, I was not connected to any groups. I were not, not connected to the industry in any way. Um, and I just knew that I love reading young adult books. Um, and at the time, Harry Potter and all of those were very, very popular books. Mm-hmm. And I had been reading some of those. And every time I read, I kept thinking, I can't do something like that. But I know I can. Uh, uh, and and I kept getting inspired to do it. And so um, the story that I decided to write about, um, I think it's a very interesting story, but I don't think it would ever sell anywhere. Mm. Um, it's, it was about a um, Mayan boy. I'm from mm-hmm. Honduras, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Mayan culture down there. Um, yeah. And he he befriends, befriends a jaguar and finds a flower in a cave, an orchid that makes him makes him immortal, but he doesn't know what the floor, flower has done to him. Mm. Uh, he just finds out when he stops growing when he stops seeing himself mature as his friends, that the floor, the flower, I keep saying floor, because that's how you say it in Spanish. The flower had changed him somehow. So that's what that one was about. Wow. But that, I I could actually see that having a broad appeal just in terms of people in my own life who are readers. It's a really interesting idea. Maybe a little touch of magical realism or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was a fun story. It just seemed like kids would not really want to read about Mayans. <laughs> mm. I don't know. We used to have cartoons when I was growing up, you know, about about Incans and Mayans and lost cities, and you know, because it's a mystery. All this culture that vanished, right? And so, yeah, I think a lot of people Maybe. have a curiosity to connect with that and get inside what that's like yeah yeah well maybe i should revisit it i know my kids keep asking about it all the time when can yeah. i read it because the idea intrigues them in a way um but uh it's a mess <laughs> <laughs> it, it, another thing that happened is like i was writing and i was writing and i was writing and this novel was already over two hundred thousand words <laughs> and mm-hmm. i had no idea <laughs> what I was doing right. um, and at, at that time so I guess I had been writing for two years already it, it was slow it was a very slow process uh, mm. I, I would write 300 words a day that was my goal um, mm. and it would take me forever to to accomplish those 300 words and by that time during those two years I had been I called myself a closet writer because mm. I didn't want anyone to know that I was doing this. Only my husband knew. Um, I felt like I was kind of embarrassed and shy about it. Felt like people might make fun of me. Mm. And and when they asked if I was writing in English, which was an inevitable question, mm. they would be like, how could, can you be writing in English? You know, you're not even a native speaker. Mm. Um so I eventually I I got over that and I was brave enough to join a writers group at our library. Mm. And that's when I started learning about the publishing side of things. Mm. And that's when I realized my novel was absolutely out of hand at 200,000 words. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's really cool though. I I I like the closet writer and 300 words a day. And you did write the novel, a huge novel with 300 words yes. a day, you know, which yes. I think if anybody was starting writing might find 300 words a day to be a good starting point for a small, small habit. Yeah. Yes. And actually I had read um, Stephen King's book on writing mm. and a friend of mine gave it to me Um when I had mentioned that I wanted to write, maybe, you know, mm. um, and that's what the best thing I got out of it was that you had to set a daily goal and you had to stick to it. And I think that's what allowed me to actually finish that book or well, you know, 
I quickly wrapped it up after I realized that I was way out of hand with it. (laughs) (laughs) So you, you went from this point of, you know, you wrote this first book and you started to find community around writing. And you mentioned you started learning about the publishing side of things. And so what, what happened next for you? Like what changed when you were no longer in the closet and you had this community to learn from? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I wrapped up that novel, realizing that it was out of hand and I probably needed to split it into three books if, um, if I was going to publish young adult books. Uh, but I, I figured out that, um, or I decided that it was best if I put it aside. It was such a large and daunting idea to to think of going back and editing and changing it from what it was that I decided to just start something new. Mm. Um, and I also, I continued to go to that group for probably a year and a half after that. And I began to run, uh, write my new novel. And in the group, they would do small critiques hmm. where people would read a little bit of their novel and the other writers would um, do a critique. And I found myself learning a lot from that. Hmm. And but these books, I mean, sorry, these meetings were only once a month. And I felt like that was not enough. I needed... Um, daily input uh, from what I was writing. So I found a group online and the, I don't know if I can mention it um, here, the website where I, where I went. Sure. And go for I, it. Okay. Yeah. It's called the next big mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a place where you post a chapter at a time. You create a project, you create your novel and you can post a chapter at a time. Mm. And others do the same, and you can go back and forth and critique each other. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I belonged to that group for a long time, and I learned tremendously from critiquing each other. E- even, I mean, getting critiques was great, um, and I could see what I was doing wrong. Mm. But even giving critiques was a great experience because mm. I had to dig deep and see, okay, why didn't I like what I just read, mm-hmm. you know, and I had to put it into words and try to tell other authors or the writers what, why I didn't, why what they wrote didn't sit well with me. Yeah, And that was an amazing experience. And I learned a lot there and I finished and workshop my second book entirely on that, on that site. Cool. And what happened with that book? I actually self-published that book and uh, I finished the trilogy and that's one of my best-selling series uh, of my, of, of my own. I co-write as well. Mm. Um, and those books sell way better, but from my uh, books, that's one of the ones that sells the best and, and, and has really good read through. Awesome. Do you want to plug, plug what those are? Um, yeah, the series is called The Morphet Chronicles, mm. and the first book is called Keeper. Mm. I did try to get it published, um, you know, trying to find an agent and trying to find a publisher, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't succeed with that, and p- partly I think it's because, I don't know, I made up the morphids, you know, the concept of morphids mm-hmm. and nobody knew what that was. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was a little hard so, to get, but you did move on to get published traditionally after that. I did. I did actually. Um, my third book was not in that Morphid Chronicle series. My third book was actually in a new series. Um, so I kind of suffer from starting new series and then struggling to finish, you know, the, what I started. I have so far finished everything I've started for the most mm. part, but I always want to chase the shinier idea. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you and me hard. and everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I did write an, a new story and it's called Ignite the Shadows. Um, mm. And I was, 
I, I used to spend a lot of time in Twitter, <laughs> and um, I saw that Harper Collins, um, Harper Voyager specifically, was having was opening their doors to authors for the first time in ten years for unsolicited oh, wow. manuscripts. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, neat! Well, I have a novel that fits into their requirements, so let me just turn it in." And I did. Um, and at this point, I had been querying a lot already, mm-hmm. uh, sending things and getting a gazillion rejections. Mm-hmm. And I was to the point that I didn't even get my hopes up. I just was sending stuff here and there without a second thought. Just a habit um, at that point, huh? Yeah, or just hoping that something would stick, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also, trying not to, when you first send the first queries, mm. you're checking the email like every couple hours. Like you, yeah. you think the agent is going to answer right away. Right. <laughs> but you learned the more you do it that they don't answer right away. And most of the time, they don't even answer at all. Right. Um, Yes, or or you just get some form rejection letter that says, thanks for querying with us, but, you know, this is not for us. Right. Um, so I sent and, for, and forgot it. You know, it's like that set it and forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I got into that uh, mindset because it hurt every time you didn't get an answer. Mm. Um, so it was better for me to just have this, um, you know, send and forget because that way it didn't hurt when I didn't get an answer. Mm. Um, and I forgot this so well that when I heard from Harper Voyager saying that they wanted to publish my novel, I was like, who are these people? It's got, <laughs> it's got to be a joke. <laughs> and I could not remember. I have not submitted my novel to these people. Somebody's playing a joke on me. Uh, that was my my reaction and then it slowly came back I was like wait a minute wait a minute yes I did <laughs> um and I just screamed and my husband was like what what is it what happened I said somebody wants to publish my novel <laughs> that's amazing um, yeah it, yeah so it was a lot of fun uh, at the time um a dream come true really uh knowing that someone a publisher somewhere an editor had picked up my novel from the slush the slush pile and had said oh wow this is good this worth publishing yeah that's amazing and offered yeah and they offered me a three deal um a three um book contract um which at the time seemed like the greatest break i could ever have but as time Mm. has gone by you know you live, you learn, and learn different things from that experience. Mm. Mm. So it's not, it wasn't like a final destination to get that publishing contract. Uh, no, not at all. Um, of course, I continued to write and um, fulfill that contract, wrote the other two books. Um, but um, the, there was no budget for marketing included. Um, for for that and mm-hmm. they expected they expected the author to do a lot of the footwork and even sometimes um many of the authors that got published through that um experiment that they did we got together and formed a facebook group mm. um and there there seemed to be an expectation that we were going to spend all our energy promoting this and even our money promoting it. Uh-huh. And and that's when I, I just felt like, wait, I can't spend my money so that they can make money. <laughs> it's this wrong. It's supposed to be the other way around, you know, mm. so that we, they get most of the, uh, you know, cost price of the book. Why, why should I be the one promoting it and paying? Mm. Um, and so, that's when I started to um, feel like maybe this is not for me. Uh, I didn't like the model. Um, mm-hmm. I had self-published already, and I had so much more control over those books. Mm-hmm. And and I just felt like I could do so much better. And so sadly, um, after some of the contract terms were met, I decided to start pursuing getting the rights back, actually. 
Oh, okay. And have you done that already, or is that still pending? Uh, yeah. No, I did. This this year, I got the rights back. It was a fight, um, but I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And it was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so you clearly believe in these books a lot if you were willing to put a lot of energy into getting that back. Yes, um, I do. Um, but most of all, I guess it just felt wrong that all of that hard work mm. kind of was going to waste because mm. they weren't promoting it. Mm -hmm. The sales were not good. And then, and then whenever they did a few promotions, they wouldn't let me know what was happening. Mm. And next thing I knew, the price of my book had changed and they mm. never told me. So mm -hmm. I couldn't do, you know, I wasted the opportunity to promote. There, there was not good communication. Yeah. Um, so it just felt like they weren't doing the best they could do. And I just kept thinking so much work, so many hours of work that went into those books and, mm -hmm. and they're just sitting there. Mm. So I felt like I, I could do better. And I felt like even if monetarily I didn't do better, yeah. that they were with me. They yeah. belonged with me. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm having this curiosity. Maybe it's a little bit off on a tangent, but so we're a few years into your writing journey here and you're a mother and I don't know if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're working during this time, but I'm, I'm curious where you're finding all the time or energy or capacity to pursue this so relentlessly. Yes. Yeah, so, um, like I, as I told you, I major in software engineering in college. Mm. And uh, as, as I graduated from college, I got a job doing that. Um, mm. And I worked for 20 years doing software engineering right um uh, held different jobs um and you know software engineering pays very well mm -hmm. and i had a i had a good career working for a, a huge fortune 500 company mm -hmm. um and making good money great benefits um but i was not happy mm. for many reasons um I was happy in the beginning of my career, but as I moved to this huge corporation, um, mm. corporate America, mm -hmm. um, disillusionment began mm -hmm. for many different reasons. Any any top of mind there that relate to to what was unfulfilling, maybe about it, or um, well, I had worked in small software companies where it was possible to make a difference mm. um i did experience some unfairness uh, noticing um the guys getting more promotions mm -hmm. uh, you know comparing mm -hmm. engineering is a very um it's a head it's a um industry with a lot of males in it sure uh actually there's very few girl programmers um and and I ended up leaving that small company, uh, noticing some injustices that you know uh, races were promised they didn't happen. So I went to this bigger corporation, uh, mm -hmm. feeling like there might be a more fair. You know, um, they certainly um, had policies in place for those kinds of things, um, and. I worked there for 10 years mm. and um, at first it was great. Um, but, you know, software engineering, uh, big projects, programming projects, you have to work in groups mm -hmm. and a group and the people around you can make a huge difference. Mm. And um, um, in the last couple of years, some people came into the group where it just stopped being fun mm -hmm. working mm -hmm. um and wor working in that group and every day it just it just got to where like i don't want to go to work mm. i just don't want to go to work anymore mm. um and you know i'm i'm hispanic so there were uh, um some comments um that were racist that i had mm. to wow. put up with and 
some treatments that were on the edge of racist mm-hmm. and you know when I try to voice complaints at first I never did just because mm-hmm. I felt like I don't want them to feel you know you feel like you're the one who if you speak up you're wrong yes. or you're the one trying to cause trouble yes <laughs> so I, I didn't for a for a long time but then I finally had it and I heard too many times oh they didn't mean it that way oh. um and it's so awful for someone to tell you that when they have never experienced it. Right. Um, and Getting so minimized by your, yeah, by your human resources. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and kind of being told in an indirect way, toughen up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I just realized I don't have to put up with this. Um, I don't, I don't want to put up with this anymore. And I thought I need to find another job or, you know, of course the idea of trying to do writing on my own had visited me many mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. especially in the last couple of years there. And it's daunting to think of leaving such a comfortable, steady, steady salary. Right. Um, when you have, you know, a mortgage to pay, bills to pay, um, and you are at a certain comfort level, mm-hmm. really, you know, of being able to buy whatever you want, whenever you want, of going on vacation every year, mm-hmm. um, those sorts of things, you know, cause both my husband and I worked, um, and so, and it was weighing for some time, you know, does that matter more mm-hmm. than than my happiness and my dreams? Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly my happiness, you know, because I was unhappy. And I always try to tell my kids, you know, um, happy every day, kids, you know, whenever they get off the, the car mm-hmm. to go to school, you know, that's your goal today is to, if there's anything in front of you that makes you unhappy, fix it. If you mm-hmm. can't, if it can't be fixed, go around it because it's not your problem. You know, that's some of the advice I give them and I had to take my own advice Mm. um, and decide that, you know, I want to take a chance on my happiness. Mm. Um, And I talked to my husband and he's extremely supportive. He always has been supportive. And I told him, you know, what if, what if I quit my job? What if I, um, take a couple of years off to, to try this out and see if it, if it works, mm-hmm. see if I can at least make enough to pay all our bills. Mm-hmm. And of course, one salary wasn't going to be enough to, to pay our mortgage and pay all the other things like kids activities, you know, they do piano and karate and sports and that sort of thing. And that, that takes a lot of extra money and, the really unnecessary expenditures, you know, mm-hmm. not, not like your water bill. You have to have your water paid. <laughs> right. But, but I didn't want my kids to have to quit all of those things that they were used to. So I just, I just thought if at least we can just pay all those little bills, you know, I don't have to make much more if we refinance our house. That was one of the things mm. that we decided to do. Mm. And um, and, you know, just tighten our belts. And, and so that a year ago, I, I did quit my job and, mm-hmm. um, I am a full-time author now. And gratefully after six months, I had my answer that, that I had done the right thing. Yeah. And what did that look like? Um, what do you mean? Well, you, you, like, as far as seeing, feeling validated by that, what was it that made you feel like, oh, this was the right decision? Was it? Well, uh, well, number one, it's been incredible the amount of time that I can spend with my family now. Mm. Uh, that is, you can't ever regret that, mm. um, no matter what. The, the, I, I'm home when my kids get home. I can drive them to school. I can pick them up from things. Um, my husband works from home a couple of times a week, so I can 
see him more as well. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning, we were all like, this is really great. You know, yeah. regardless of whether we can pay our bills or not, this is great. Right, right. <laughs> we're, all, we're all together more. Um, so that was great. Um, and then I was happy every morning. I mm. would get up excited. I would jump out of bed. I would drop my kids up to school. And I would run in from the, from the garage being like, literally all by myself like a crazy person, punching mm. the air. Yes, I get to work on my novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing that you can't put a price on. No. Um, and worked really hard for for six months. Um, we tried, and this is a novel that I'm working with, a co-author, a series. And we had decided on, I decided that I had to write to market if I had, if I wanted to make, make it work monetarily. Mm. Um, I had to ra- have covers that look like the covers of those people being successful in my genre. Um, and I felt like taking this chance with a co-author rather than uh, by myself was a good option because I could still write the books that I wanted to write on my own. Mm. Um, So that was kind of like a trade-off for me. Mm. Um, And um, we picked a very hot genre. Um, We saw it coming gracefully very early on we saw i don't know if you've noticed uh, academy books are yes i did i did and and you're in there and that's your co-write right yes Mm -hmm. um and we we published ours in april of this year which was very early on and it was one of the first ones to come out uh and what we did we wrote i quit my job last october and uh we wrote November, December, January, wrote and wrote, and we were holding back the books to try also to do a rapid release, mm. um, which was another thing, you know, that you read about in all the different groups about techniques to right. to uh, improve your sales. Right. And 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 when the, in May, a uh, month after the book have published the first book was published and the other ones were slated already were ready for pre-order uh i had monetary proof that this was also you know i made the right the right choice in that way Mm. that's that's pretty big yeah yes it really was and it has been for this past month Uh, it's a little crazy uh really when when you hit a genre that is so so hot at the moment um i just couldn't believe you know how well the amazon algorithm will will work with you when that happens Mm. so it sounds like you know one of the things because not everybody's gonna follow all of what we're talking about but because not everybody's an author necessarily that's listening or independently publishing but what i'm really getting is that you, you've had this journey where you've been writing a long time and along the way, implicitly, you've been making efforts to learn about the business and staying on top of what's happening in the business. And when you made this leap, sounds like your professionalism and being putting yourself in the driver's seat really came forward with a lot of intention and choice and information there. Um, and I don't know what you have to say with that as yeah, far as... Yeah, it, it really is a good assessment. I did, you know, I had been writing for, um, I guess, at the time, 11, 10, 11 years. And during all that time, the first years I concentrated on learning the craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, English being my second language, and I was never formally educated to write uh, properly in English, like taking grammar classes, you know, or, uh, you know, how to write a sentence properly and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a huge, a huge endeavor. Um, just imagine um, trying to write a novel in Russian or, or, or Spanish or, 
a language you don't speak. Right. It's, um, it's daunting. It, yeah. 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 So, so it was a lot of work. Um, it was, I would say at least five years of constant, you know, writing every day and being part of critique, critique groups and all of that. Um, and once I felt comfortable, especially after I had received that contract with HarperCollins and, mm. and I, I thought, okay, you know, if I have professional editors saying that, that my writing is good enough for them to publish, you know, I can finally quit doubting myself so much and, mm. and, um, and say, okay, I can shift gears now, um, not to say that I, I would quit learning, um, that never happens, but I could try to concentrate on learning the business side of things. Mm. And uh, for for many years, I have been watching the industry. I have been reading in my genre. I read young adult books mm-hmm. all the time, all the time. I follow um, the different publishers online and different authors either indie or traditional authors um online and and try to learn from them and i belong to several groups on facebook that discuss the business and um so yes i had i had learned that the things that needed to be done um in order to to get there now not to say that everyone will be as fortunate Right. Um, but if you are doing the right things and setting up, setting yourself up by following the advice of all of those who have come before you and have succeeded, mm-hmm. then you have better chances. Right. And, and yet I'm not saying as a rebuttal, but, and it sounds like you're finding ways to keep this in alignment with your joy or keeping it fun for yourself. Yes, I, I really think, uh, you know, when I talk about to my children and what I was telling you earlier about being happy every day, I, I mean it. Uh, I want to um, be happy every day. And I have come to realization that sometimes it's a choice mm. to be happy um, and to focus on the positive things rather than let the negativity drag you down. Cause there's always something negative around you mm. and it, it, your attitude towards it will determine um, how you will feel that day. A lot of times, if you mm. let that drag you with it, your day is going to be ruined mm-hmm. and um, maybe you can put a spin on it and, um, look the other way if it's, if it's not your problem to fix. Um, I actually also have read a little bit of um, the Stoic philosophy. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, you know, if you try to control the things that are, out, are outside of your control, mm. it will only lead to misery. Yeah, and, and that's one of the main teachings of this Stoic philosophy. Mm. And I, truly believe in that because there was nothing I could do to change the way people looked at me at work. Right. Um, I could not influence their prejudices, uh, even though, you know, with my, ex- with the way I acted, the way I carry myself, I could, I was telling them some, a different story of mm. what to think about um, people in a different ethnicity from them. They had their preconceptions so rooted in themselves that that they weren't going to change their minds. Right. And I I try to talk to my managers and say, you know, this is not right. They shouldn't treat me this way. But that didn't change them and the way they they looked at me, the way they reacted when I walked in the room, or right. you know, the things they said. I couldn't really affect that the only thing i could affect is how i reacted to it and what i did about it Mm. um and a lot of times i would just come to the conclusion that they will change me before i change all of these people Mm -hmm. and and i i I mean that 
that to me sounds impossible. Uh, mm. I, I can change myself a lot easier than I can affect other people, other situations, you know, yeah. the weather or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. How many, so, yeah, <laughs> that's such a powerful lesson. Like I, I can totally relate. I have that corporate background as well. And I spent years trying to move mountains around me as my means of, of navigating the world. And yeah, I, I can relate that it was not a necessarily a happy experience or successful in that way. No, no. And, and maybe some people, um, you know, are those kinds of leaders who can move those mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just have to know yourself also. Yeah. Uh, is this going to make me happy? Some people welcome that challenge, you know, right. they welcome the challenge of changing others' minds and, and defying them and telling them where they're grown, wrong and debating and arguing. And that's to their strengths. Yeah, well, I if, knew I knew <laughs> that that was not my strength. <laughs> my my first novel was my purge of my twenty year tech career. Um, it's called Profit of Virtue, and that <laughs> has a pretty accurate record of what I believe about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I should check it out. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like we have a lot of overlap there. I'm I'm really excited for you and and proud of, and honored that you've been sharing your insights and, and growth and this journey. I think there's a lot of great things there. Um, you know, if Thank you had, you. yeah, if you had any, I guess I want to frame, come around to like some closing advice and, and maybe the right thing to talk about is for people who are still in that phase of daydreaming and not taking action, what would you tell them? Um, I think that the most important thing for people that want to take a leap of faith, it seems sometimes it would be a leap of faith. It's Mm. really not so much about faith. Mm. Um, it's about preparation and the idea might be in your mind Mm. and it's, it's taking shape and, and you like to play with the dream. You know, mm. you imagine, oh, this is what my day would look like if I, you know, were doing what I want to do full time. Mm. Um, but we listen to ourselves. We have to listen to our hearts and they will let us know, am I ready for this? Mm. Um, and being ready, in my mind, um, you have to be very objective about that. Um, are you prepared professionally? Do you know as much as you can know about your industry? Um, have you, are you constantly learning? Are you constantly pushing yourself and working hard? Um, mm. Because it really is about hard work. Mm. It's not going to just materialize in, in that sort of way that dreams materialize. Right. Um, you have to set goals and, and pursue them and work at them every day. And so I think that people, you know, what people don't see, they they see the success, but they don't see what came before it. It's kind of like that, that picture of the iceberg, you know, the, the tip is, is the success, but what happened, what came before was all the years of hard work and preparation. Mm. And so I, I think that, that we just have to be honest with ourselves to know that if we're ready mm-hmm. and listen to ourselves, it's sort of like I tell my kids, like my daughter, you will someone someday meet someone, a, a, a guy, you know, and you will know he is not right for you. Mm-hmm. Your heart will tell you this person is not right for me. And half people ignore that. Yes, <laughs> and yes. you know what happens to their love story. Yes, yes. It's, <laughs> it's just kind of the pretty. same thing. You know, you know in your heart if you're ready or not, mm. and you just have to be honest about it. You, you you can't, you know, if you if you leap before you're ready, it's not gonna be pretty. Right. Um. And so, and if you're leap thinking that, I'll just be able to work a couple hours every day and it'll be good. 
um, <laughs> it, it, it's also not going to be pretty. Uh, yeah. it, it takes a lot of work. And, but it's like they say, you know, if it's something you love to do, it won't feel so much like work. Mm. Yeah. Um, and but, you, but, you, but you have to be ready for it. So Ingrid, if, if we look back two years from now and, you know, we're looking at all the factors of your big leap of faith, quitting your job, like how much of success is going to be determined by the money of it and how much of it is the other things? Um, just right now, I know that it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not rich by any means right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not making myself rich. Mm -hmm. It's it's comfortable, you know, being able to pay my bills and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and um, let my kids keep doing the things they love to do. That's great. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's still not looking like a vacation every year and being able to buy whatever you want, you know, whenever you want. Um, it's not as good as it was when I was at my uh, day job mm. uh, in term, in in those terms, but in every other way, it is better. And, and this is, this is good. This is all I wanted. Um, mm. It's I'm happy and I'm healthier also. Mm. Um, and I am closer to my husband and my kids. And so, you know, yeah, we can go vacation in the state park next door. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing, Ingrid. Sure, no problem. Well, it's been wonderful to have you as a guest of the show, Ingrid. For people who want to learn more about you, how can they find you? Sure. Um, um, you can visit me at my website. It's uh, IngridSeymour.com. Uh, I-N-G-R-I-D-S-E-Y-M-O-U-R.com. And from there, you can connect with me through Facebook or Twitter or send me an email or sign up to my newsletter uh, and find out what, you know, all the books I have and audiobooks and all of that. But that's the key place to find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being on The Fearless Storyteller. All right. Thank you for having me. It, it was really fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast. 